0: Episode 36, The Making of the Covenant The laws of God were given to the people of Israel to call them out to be a separate and holy nation, one that would show the glory of God to the rest of the nations, and at the same time, these laws gave a background to the lives of the Israelites as their whole society was built off of these laws. Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. God would continue to give the Israelites laws on how to do life. However, it wasn't just a bunch of rules that they were supposed to do or not do. God was setting up a culture within Israel that would set them apart from the rest of the nations to become a nation of priests. He took the societal structures already there and began to show the Israelites a pathway to living a holy life. And no, The Israelite society was not perfect because humans were part of it. These laws were not the first of their kind to be written in history. A couple of hundred years before Moses, the king of Babylon in the Mesopotamian region wrote down the code of Hammurabi, named after the king himself. These laws were written before Moses and are meant to address different societal issues. Although many of the laws that are written in these codes are similar to the law that was given to Moses, they are not related, as some scholars suggest. Again, God was not creating a whole new society with the law. He was taking one that was already existing and redeeming it and calling the people to live holy lives. Because of that, of course, many of the laws are going to look similar or overlap with other laws in the region. However, where the laws do differ, is that the laws received by Moses from God are emphasizing the spiritual side of things. The other laws written before and around this time only focus on the person obeying the king of the land. So for the kings of the land to get their people to obey, they would claim that they received it from the gods. Today, so many people believe that all that religion was good for was keeping people under the ruler's control. When God gave these laws to the Israelites, they came with more severe punishment than the traditional breaking of the law in the Mesopotamian region. In Exodus 21, after giving the instructions on enslaved people, the Lord gives what must be done if a man murders another man, kidnaps, curses his father and mother, causes harm to an unborn child, and many more. Again, these laws will give a background for which the culture that the Israelites lived in. Murder was not taken lightly by God. In verses 12-14 through 14 of Exodus 21, God says that if anyone kills another man, the killer shall be put to death. However, if it wasn't premeditated and only an accident or if the man fell into the hands of the other man, then the man could be given a place to run to for protection. More on these cities will be talked about in a later episode. Kidnappers were to be put to death. Those that cursed their father and mother were put to death. If two men were fighting with each other and a nearby woman is hit and she is pregnant and the child is born early because of being hit, if nothing is wrong with the child or the mother, then the man who hit her is to be fined an amount determined by the court and the husband. If the woman or the unborn child dies, then the man that hit her is to be put to death. If a man's ox killed someone, including slaves, then the ox is to be stoned and not eaten. Nothing is to happen to the owner of the ox. But if the ox is known to attack in the past, and the owner knows this, and the ox kills someone, then the ox and the owner are to be put to death. During this time, it was often the leader of the tribe, people, or nation that would give judgments on issues within society. This is all fine until you realize that from one leader to the next, the decisions could be different. What may have gotten someone put to death with one leader could only be fine money for the next leader. This would cause the nation's cultures and thoughts towards crimes to change over time. But when God gave the Israelites all of the laws, He was setting the foundation for which each crime was to be punished for all. God would then go on to give the laws on restitution from one person to another. Whether it was a man's ox dying because it fell into an open pit that his neighbor forgot to cover, or if one person's ox killed their neighbor's ox, it was addressed. God would even give laws regarding a thief stealing. If the thief steals an ox or a sheep to sell and is caught, he is to be fined for the price of five oxen for one ox stolen and up to four sheep for the one sheep stolen. Even laws about if a thief stole at night or during the day were given. God even gives laws regarding neighbors lending and borrowing oxen and tools from each other, the destruction of property by another and the safekeeping of property for another. These laws are not meant to just be a bunch of rules that God told the Israelites to follow, but he was setting up boundaries within the society of the Israelites for them to thrive. It was to protect not only the rich and well off, but all people. Most societies in that time leaned toward being just only to the rich because they could pay the judges off, the poor on the other hand had the blame placed on them for most things without the means to protect themselves in court. The laws that God gave were those that bring the people out to be a holy nation. In Exodus 22, verse 16 through 31, he gives laws that are related to social justice to protect the young woman from being harmed and then left or the foreigner that is visiting the country. Oftentimes, the judgment that was passed on to the people and a case was handled by the leader or the judge that God had placed. Ever so often though, depending on the case, the Lord would have them appear before himself rather than the judge. Scholars call this super-rational procedures. It would have three parts, the judicial oath, the judicial ordeal, and the judicial oracle. And this was not just standard practice in Israel to have these three procedures. Most Mesopotamian countries as well as Egypt practiced them in some way. The judicial oath is an oath that a person in the case would take, swearing that they were not guilty. In a case where a person took this oath, the judge would take it as truth as it was believed that if a person taking the oath before God or in other countries, gods, falsified it, the divine would become the judge of the person, bringing more judgment than a human could ever bring. Another practice was the judicial ordeal. Often, this was done in the surrounding nations. This was a practice that a person had to do some type of event, and if they failed, it was considered to be a sign for them being guilty. If they succeeded, Then it was a sign that they were innocent. For example, nations in the Mesopotamian region would believe that the river god would be the judge when they placed a person in its waters. If the person sank, then it was a sign of guilt, but if they floated, then it was a sign of innocence. The other is Judicial Oracle. This is what was used mostly in Israel, The case would be brought before God, and they waited until the Lord spoke on the matter, and He would decide the case. But God didn't just give the Israelites a bunch of laws to follow. He also gave them festivals to take time to rest. For example, they were called to work six days a week, and on the seventh they were to rest. On the same note, they were to farm their land for six years, and in the seventh year they were to give the land rest. However, the Lord would still provide enough food for them all to live during that seventh year. God would set up three different feasts at this point that the Israelites were to celebrate. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, because it celebrated them coming out of Egypt. The Feast of Harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering. One at the beginning of the harvest, and one at the end. Now, there are more laws that God would eventually give the Israelites, but we will cover those and the ones that we just talked about in greater detail in a future episode, as other books of the Bible talk exclusively about the laws that will be given. But for now, just to give an idea of what is happening with the Israelites during their travels, we have covered these different laws. Because from here, God would call Moses and the 70 of the elders of Israel to the top of Mount Sinai, But only Moses was allowed to come close to God. The rest of the elders had to stay back. God would confirm his covenant that he had just made with Israel as Moses built an altar and 12 pillars to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. The covenant between God and the Israelites would be confirmed when Moses took half the blood from the sacrifices on the altar and sprinkled it on the people. In Exodus 24 verse 8, as Moses was sprinkling the blood on the people, he says that the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you. Later on, Jesus would call believers into a new blood covenant when he told his disciples to drink his blood and enter into the covenant with the Father. Once the covenant was confirmed, Moses took the elders of Israel up into the mountain Here it says in Exodus 24 verse 10 that they saw God and under his feet was a pavement of sapphire stones as clear as the sky. Now it isn't sure what form the elders saw God in, but most likely because he had feet they saw him in human form. The elders, Moses and Aaron, then enjoyed a feast before the Lord. Because the covenant was made, the elders of Israel were allowed to come into the presence of God temporarily. When Jesus made the new covenant, it allowed for anyone to come into the presence of God, just like it was always meant to be from the beginning of creation. We now have continual access to the Father through Christ. The Lord would then call Moses closer to himself, higher up on the mountain, so that he could give Moses the stone tablets with the law written upon them. In Exodus 24 verse four, it says that Moses wrote all the words of the law down. Often in ancient times, when a covenant was made, it had to be written down. This would serve as a testament and evidence of the covenant. Just like today, when a document is signed, It shows an agreement has been made. It was also common in ancient times for the document that held the covenant to be copied so that each party would have a copy for themselves. This is what the stone tablets would be, God's copy of the agreement, as they would later be placed into the Ark of the Covenant. Just like today, when a document is signed, it shows an agreement has been made. When the Lord called Moses up to the mountain to give him the stone tablets, he would bring Joshua, his assistant, with him, and they would stay on the mountain for 40 days and nights. Some scholars believe that the 40 days and nights don't actually mean 40 days, but rather it just means for a long time. It is during this time that the Lord gives Moses the laws on the stone tablets. Now that the covenant has been made between God and the Israelites, it is time to prepare for God to dwell in the camp. This would be the preparation and making of the tabernacle. When Moses and Joshua go down the mountain, he is told to take a collection from all of Israel and whose heart moves to give. He is to gather gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and linen, goat hair, ram skin, dyed, goat skins, Acacia wood, oil for lamps, spices, onyx stones, and other types of precious stones. With all these offerings, the Lord was going to show Moses how to build the place where God would dwell with his people. So join us next time as we begin to see the dwelling place of God come together in episode 37, The Tabernacle. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.